Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discussed replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Those who have lung disease, in particular COPD, are especially vulnerable if they get sick with infections like coronavirus or pneumonia or influenza. But there are some things they can do to help protect themselves and in doing so protect their entire family and maybe even some things that all of us in the community should do to help protect everyone else as well. Tonight, I'm joined with Val Chang. She is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and she's been spearheading efforts for the last several years to educate people who experience COPD, ways in which they can handle their illness, but also to help their loved ones to understand a little more about the disease process and what they can do to help. So thanks so much for joining me on the line today, Val. Oh, thank you, Dr. Kozak. I think this is really exciting. Well, now there's some unique things we're going to talk about, new virtual support groups. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about things that people who have COPD may need to do to prevent from getting infections all the time. And then what unique has happened with coronavirus? Great. Yeah, I think, you know, the basics that all of us, are trying to do nowadays in terms of staying healthy, staying hydrated, sheltering in place, wearing a mask when we are going to be in public and can't keep far apart from people. Um, All of those are really, really helpful, especially for people that might be at higher risk because they have a lung condition, asthma or COPD, or they're older, or they have some other condition that puts them at risk, like heart disease or diabetes, which a lot of our state has as well. So there's a lot of folks who might be at risk for getting infections of all different types. And some of the things that we should all do, which, again, seems kind of novel that we're all talking about it, but was actually a recommendation all the time, which is, you know, stay home when you're sick and wash your hands for at least 20 seconds and things that we we don't think about every day, but now we think about, you know, obsessively almost in a good way. We've seen a lot fewer patients coming into the clinics or even into the emergency rooms with regular respiratory infections because they're they're wearing face masks, they're washing their hands. So it's helping not just to avoid getting coronavirus, but also to avoid getting any respiratory ailment. So there are some good things that have come from this, kind of some public health measures. But you mentioned that, you know, face masks and, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the unique challenges of those people who have lung disease, because it's not that they're more likely to get it. But as you mentioned, if they get it, they're more likely to potentially have some complications because of their pre-existing lung issue. That's why it's really important to stay safe at home and to really follow some of those other guidelines. Correct. And I think it's really important to note that many people that unfortunately have had COVID have been able to recover well from it, working closely with their healthcare provider. So it's not like a, that as grim as, as some people might paint it. If you happen to get it and you work closely with your doctor, the earlier the better, then, you know, take care of it and 
likely it can be managed as best as possible. Well, and some of the supplies that you might have already encouraged people with COPD to obtain, and I think you've you've been on the show before and talked about it, are things that, you know, now people are hearing a lot about. Things like pulse oximeters. Why would they want to have that at home? And, you know, thermometers, which everyone should have just to make sure they can check to monitor their fever. But, you know, in particular for lung patients, they may have oxygen supplies and other things that they need. What exactly is a pulse oximeter and why is it becoming a hot item these days? Well, a pulse oximeter is something that's especially good for people with lung conditions because they can use it. it they put it on their fingertip like a clothespin, and it tells them what the saturation of their blood is in terms of oxygen, and it also tells them what their pulse rate is. So my daughter likes to use it for her pulse rate because it's a lot easier than holding a wrist and trying to figure out how many beats a minute it is. It'll tell her, like, right away instead of having her count. So she likes that as a convenience. But for people with uh, COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, they can, when they get an infection, they can have their oxygen saturation go down, and also when they exercise, it can decrease below 90. Everybody is supposed to have it above 90 as much as possible, Um, and if it does go below 90, they need to talk to their healthcare provider and say, hey, you know, should we do something about this? You know, what should we do? And there are machines called uh, concentrators that will get rid of the nitrogen in the air so that the patient will get more oxygen, a more concentrated amount of oxygen, so that they don't need to have huge tanks and they can produce their own oxygen in wherever they're living or wherever they travel. So I have three different oxygen concentrators, and it allows me to do pretty much everything I need to do and want to do. So the oxygen concentrator basically does not require an oxygen tank like you've talked about, and it's a way that somebody who needs oxygen, either during certain activities or only at night or, in fact, maybe throughout the whole day, they could get that without having to worry about a constant supply of a of a tank. You sometimes see those yeah. large oxygen tanks. And I always think to myself, for the person who has a lung problem, for them to have to haul that tank around is to require much more exercise than maybe their lungs have capacity to do. So kind of nice that we have these other forms of less bulky oxygen that people can, can use. But are concentrators portable or are they something that you can only have if you plug into a wall? Well, I've got Three different ones, as I said. I have one that's about 20 pounds, and so that one is, it's transportable in the sense that if I needed it to go to a hotel or something, we could schlep it into the car, um, but it's not really something I would easily want to take anywhere. When I fly, when I used to fly before COVID, I was traveling with one that was about 10 pounds. And that has a plug that you can plug into a power outlet or plug into a vehicle or batteries. And it can run uh, for four hours off of the battery at one setting and one hour if you have it at a different setting. You know, the higher the setting, the more battery or juice it uses. But 
Um, I have four batteries, so it was enough to get me from Honolulu to the East Coast. And so it's important to know what your needs are and to have uh, an ability to uh, recharge your batteries with a external charger as well. But all of that equipment is available, and there's an even lighter one that's about five pounds that I also have, which I use for exercise. And when I get adventurous and it's safe to hike again, I will use it for hiking because I can carry five pounds on my back. It's not much worse than carrying a purse and um, carry and have my loved ones carry my batteries so that I'm not carrying the five pounds plus all the batteries, which are about a pound a piece, and I have about four of them. So you've really found a way to get different concentrators based on the activities and the things that you like to do. Is that something that anyone with COPD can get access to, or was that something that you had to sort of spend a lot of time to acquire and or find out what you need? Well, there are resources to help make sure that people... um, figure out the correct and the best form of oxygen for their lifestyle and their needs. Um, their doctor or healthcare provider is a good resource. And pulmonarypaper.org also has on its website every year the most current forms of oxygen concentrators and what their characteristics are so people can look those over And there are some uh, suppliers in our state that do offer various different machines, and some national providers will send it to the patient and let the patient try it out and return it if it doesn't meet the patient's needs or it's not what the patient really wants or needs. So there are options, and we have support group meetings, and we're happy to talk people through this. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we haven't had in-person meetings since March, but we are going to start that up again, as we're going to talk about later in the program, and we're going to start trying it with Zoom, trying to come into the 2020, the year 2020. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I've had to drag myself kicking and screaming into better technology, and it's good that I've been forced to do it because there's a lot of learning and and I hopefully have gotten to the point where I've gotten better at it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. Val Chang is on the line from the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And when we come back, we're going to talk about creative ways to wear face masks or even face shields. What should people do if they have trouble breathing through a mask? Is there another safe alternative? Val will talk about her own experience in crafting one. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Valerie Chang on the line uh, from the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And before the break, we were talking about some of the oxygen concentrators and what the differences are and why you may need more than one. 
But let's talk now about face masks, because that's another thing you might need more than one of, particularly if you're having to go out and about in the community. Face masks are something that everybody has been recommended to wear if they're going out in public or if they're going out, even food shopping. A lot of stores will require that everyone wear a mask. There are some people who have difficulty doing that, though, and for those who might already have some breathing problems, any sort of obstruction could cause some difficulties. So, Valerie, what are the options? Are there some masks that are better than others? Well, what people wearing oxygen have found, a lot of them have found that using a face shield is much easier to tolerate and have their cannula used with it than a face mask. And the good thing about face shields is it actually blocks more particles from you to the outside and from the outside to the wearer. So there's a lot of good things about face shields. And the other good thing is you can make it yourself. And if people want to go to my website, hawaiicopd.org, under the bottom portion of the uh, website, there's a link that says COVID-19 resources for the COPD community. If you click on that, then it takes you to a blog post and the last part of the blog post is face shield, masks and face shields. And if you click on the link, it takes you to the COPD Foundation page where I created a very long thread about face shields and masks and how to make them and patterns. I've made about, I don't know, four or five dozen masks and a few face shields. Face shields are much better in an air-conditioned environment. It can get pretty hot otherwise because it's plastic and plastic doesn't breathe. Normally, I make my masks out of cotton so that it's more breathable, and I just try not to use it for more than an hour. So that limits the time I'm in close contact with anyone because it's hard to breathe (laughs) for me. Well, and I think that kind of gets to the idea that if you are required or for some reason you have to go out in public, then you want to make sure that you're as safe as possible. And you've talked about the face shield, particularly for those people who are wearing oxygen. But honestly, for anybody who has trouble wearing a mask because of any type of breathing issue, that we wouldn't want people to have trouble and difficulty breathing and let their oxygen levels go down if they have COPD and they can't get in enough air. But it also means that if you encounter someone who might be wearing oxygen, who isn't wearing a face shield or a mask because maybe they can't, then be respectful and try and keep your distance so that you don't expose them. Because although it's ideal if both people are wearing some form of protection, If one person cannot, for medical reasons, then steering clear might be another approach. You know, that whole six foot of physical distancing or finding a way to not increase their risk because they can't use some of these other devices. And the other thing is, on my website, it talks about delivery resources. um, And one of the new and exciting delivery resources that has developed because of COVID is help is on the way. 
And on my website, if you click the blog post that is uh, HI Life with Coronavirus slash Delivery Resources, um, you can find out the phone number for Help is on the Way and the email, and you can register, and they will help you acquire whatever you need, groceries or whatever else to run your errands on your behalf, and they don't charge anything. So that's a really wonderful nonprofit service that has been developed, and they are trying to help everyone in our state, but especially Oahu at this time. Well, and it sort of comes to the idea that, you know, nobody expected a year ago that the world would be in this position. But now that we are, there are some positive things that have occurred. And knowing that people are out there trying to help their community, people they don't even know to acquire resources or items that they may need is really something that is, you know, it's a wonderful thing to hear that there are services out there that may have always had the intent of being out there before, but now there's a desperate need for some folks. And we found some folks who are willing to volunteer to help to plug that gap, to fill that hole that's needed. So I definitely give a lot of props to the folks out there, even if it's just somebody who goes to their neighbor and says, can I go food shopping for you? What do you need? I'll go and I'll deliver it to you. It's just, it's really enheartening to know that those sorts of interactions are are being fostered in our local communities. Yeah, and next door is another place where I've noticed people offering hey, I'm going to such and such. Does anyone need something? You know, it's it's a lot more outreach than I had noticed before, and I think that's always nice. And if, you know, people know somebody else in their neighborhood that is willing and able to help them, I think, you know, it's a two-way street. If you could ask them, they a lot of people would be happy to help, or you can offer if you're able to help others. Just another way that we can all give back to help those who are in the most need. Now, you mentioned about face shields, and you could make your own. Do you know of any place that is selling face shields or these things that you could get commercially? And if so, where could someone get them? Well, um, Waikiki Health Center, I believe, is selling. No, Doctors of Waikiki, they invented a face shield, and so... I believe you could call them and find out about it. But I think the easiest thing is just to make it. If you wear glasses and you want to make your own, or you could just wear sunglasses or just have a glasses frame with, it it just holds the face shield in place and keeps it off of your face. Um, The pattern for it is on my website, hawaiicopd.org. If you click on the... COVID-19 resources for community. Uh, There's a link that says masks and face shields, and then there's a link on that link. And then on page three, it has a pattern on how to make the face shields. And I did make it, and it's really not that hard to make. Well, and we also in ten minutes. I think anyone could make it in ten minutes. You just need a pretty sharp knife and make sure you don't cut yourself. But yeah, we also joked about the plethora of things that you can learn on YouTube these days. Oh yeah, and and people. I mean, I've seen them sold on 
on YouTube for pretty, I mean, uh, various websites for pretty cheap. And people can sanitize them after use, so you don't really need more than one or a few face shields. You would need more masks than face shields because you have to wash them after each use. Whereas face shields, you just clean them with hand sanitizer or soap and water, and they're good to go. Dry them off, and they're good to go again. All right. Uh, you've convinced me. I should try and figure out my, find my creative crafty self and see what I can do. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you're listening to The Body Show. Valerie Chang is on the, on the line from the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what are some of the outreach ways that the community is coming together to help build virtual support groups. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and Valerie Chang from the Hawaii COPD Coalition is on the line. And right before the break, we were talking about making a face shield, an alternative to masks for those people who have difficulty maybe wearing oxygen or breathing through a mask, and what are some of the options they can do to keep themselves safe. Now, a lot of folks might hear about some of these things through a support group, Val, and that's something that... Unfortunately, getting a group of people who have a lung condition together in person is not something that the CDC or the World Health Organization or anybody is really thinking Department of Health, etc. is a good idea because you're bringing people together and maybe there could be a risk of exposure. So what are some of the things that the COPD Coalition is doing to try and meet the need for the group support, but do so in the safest way possible? Well, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about that. Uh, on our website, hawaiicopd.org, we talk in our the bottom third of the website about webinars and staying connected. And if you click on that link or on the calendar that's in the middle of the webpage, uh, you can see different webinars. And one of them is going to be on July 1st, and that is going to be by the U.S. COPD Coalition on COPD and the Benefits of Pulmonary Rehabilitation. And I believe he's going to give people some suggestions on how to be able to do pulmonary rehabilitation remotely because many people are not comfortable going to medical um, clinics at this time because they don't want to be around other people and especially not to exercise. And then we also are going to be trying to have support groups on Zoom, and that's both on the webinars and staying connected link as well as on the calendar. You can click on either, and it gives you the link. And anyone and everyone is welcome. Um, The first meeting is going to be the second Friday, which is July 10th and then the second Tuesday, which is July 14th. And it starts at 10 o'clock, and we'll run until Zoom cuts us off, which might be 45 minutes, it might be two hours. But people are welcome to participate. 
So what are some of the things that support groups, even the in-person ones, have been able to help people to do? I know that sometimes knowing that you're not alone with a particular disease process and that you may have struggles, but somebody else does, they might be able to teach you some of the ways that they've been able to manage. And that can really be that first hands-on experience that you get at doing something maybe even your doctors couldn't even have helped you troubleshoot. So what are some of the positives of being part of a support group? best things is to just make new friends and new connections because sometimes people are doing things in a slightly different way and somehow it resonates better when someone else says it than the dozen other times you've heard it. Or maybe you can help someone else that is struggling and it's obvious to you and it's not obvious to them. And some really nice friendships have come from the support group meetings. And, you know, they can share resources. Maybe one person has a lot of masks and another person has face shields or someone's going to Costco and happy to, or their family member is going to Costco and happy to drop off some supplies at your house on their way home or, you know, people people make connections or they might have extra tubing or cannulas and they could share it or if they have problems getting their drugs and they ask someone else, someone might know of a pharmacy that might have better supply than, than they've been able to get because that's the other thing. People are very concerned to make sure that they have adequate supply. I try to keep a 90-day supply of my medicines as much as possible just because no one wants to run out and have to, you know, rush over and try to get something that might or might not be in stock. Um, CVS so far has been really good about mailing drugs to me at no extra charge and it saves me from having to go into the pharmacy, and I didn't know they did that. And I'm not sure that they normally do it, but right now during COVID, they are doing it for me at no extra charge, and I'm not sure why or how, but I'm grateful. <laughs> Let's hope that that's not something that they're going to hear you say and go, what? We didn't charge her. But I think it also brings out another aspect of what the pandemic has done is it's helped different services to turn into delivery. You know, granted, it would, there was always mail order for, for the last several years, there was mail order for pharmaceuticals. And that's something that people could sign up for, but never has it become even more urgent of a need to really try and work on figuring out how to make that happen. Because you're right, it does not just help you to avoid running out of your medicine, but it also helps you to avoid going to a pharmacy if you don't have to. Because again, you want to limit your exposure. So it's just another way to really help facilitate what you need and bring it to you instead of you having to go there. Just like the support groups, we're bringing support groups to your home. So if you ever wondered, can you participate and what might you learn from it? Not only can you, but hey, now you can do so remotely. So even if maybe you're working and you can take a little break for 15, 20 minutes, be part of that support group. You never know what you might learn and what you could actually help somebody else with along the way. Yeah, and if they want to bring suggestions on what they'd like uh, other meetings to cover, and if they'd like some guest speakers, we could get guest speakers to participate in some of the support group meetings. The other thing that's really helped during the COVID is telehealth. There was some reluctance for a lot of 
providers to participate in telehealth, and there were some bugs along the way in terms of getting reimbursement and who could get reimbursed and how they would get reimbursed. But it seems that they have been resolved, and a lot of people are able to get telehealth appointments and benefit from them that hadn't in the past. Like, I've had several telehealth appointments, and I found them extremely reassuring and helpful, and it saved me from having to agonize over, should I see the doctor or not see the doctor, and should I skip the appointment, and if so, how many more months will it be before that can get scheduled again? Well, and that brings up a whole other point of making sure you see your provider. So I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today, Val, and all the major efforts that you put into the Hawaii COB, COPD Coalition and encourage people to check out the support groups because that's a new virtual way to connect with people with the same condition but also find a way to help yourself and maybe help someone else along the way. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk about more ways to say stay healthy and safe right here on The Body Show. See you then.